Hi there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of livehealthy.ae, and this is the livehealthy.ae podcast. Each week, we will interview leaders in the UAE's health and wellness community, and we'll explore topics you read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women. And now it's time to meet this week's guest. On the LiveHealthy.ae podcast, we have DX babies. <laughs> who, who, who are they? Uh, Mara Plandi and Lana Maxumi are the co-hosts of this popular podcast. It was launched almost a year ago. So, so far they've had 29 episodes and almost 350,000 listens. They are the podcasting queens in the UAE and across the region. And one week early on, they even had the most popular podcast on Apple. Um, Apple had to tell them that was <laughs> Apple told them they had a, the most popular podcast, such a cool dynamic between these two girls. They're both in their twenties. Maren grew up in the UAE, Lana in the U S and they represent voices that we don't always get to hear on the radio. Um, talking about in particular young Arab women, but also third culture, Arabs, millennials, Gen Z, all of it. So ladies, welcome. Thank you so much for having us, Anne-Marie. It's so good to talk to you again. I interviewed these two ladies a year ago uh, for another project, and I just had, they're so fun to talk to, and they're so wise. I always think of myself (laughs) at your age, and I think I was a disaster, but when I talk to you, I think, maybe I wasn't a disaster. Like, they're so... (laughs) They're so t- Honestly, we're both disasters. We just like, I think, talk about it on a podcast. We like, it's become like our therapy. So we're disasters, but working in progress. Disasters. I feel like everyone, I feel like everyone is a disaster in their own unique way. And we're just wrapping up those disasters and presenting them as normal human beings. Absolutely. We're just normalizing having the disaster side of yourself and just speaking about it, which is like, why we have our podcast basically yes that's why we have our platform that's what I love too because I can tell you 25 years on from your age it doesn't feel any different really you know you just have more stuff in your head that's about it yeah (laughs) no seriously yeah so you you both work in PR is that correct your your job job your day jobs so tell me the story of how you met and this podcast came about Okay, so <laughs> Lana, I'll do it if you don't mind. No, girl, um, go for it. I love when you tell our story. <laughs> okay, so the way that we met is, so Lana joined, I was already at the company, she was like the new girl, and I was like, you know what, she seems cool, like, I should go and like, you know, introduce myself, and then I was like, oh, so I told my, like, I, I had a group of friends there at Aqua, I was like, you guys, Lana seems like she's cool, like, she can hang, she can sit with us, you know what I mean? <laughs> And then I met her and like we immediately clicked and like we had a lot of the same mannerisms, even the things that we say, like we both say girl a lot. And they were like, oh, my God, like you guys are like the same person, but like in different like energies, like she's more high pitched, more like, you know, and I'm like the toned down, but it's like still the same vibe. Mm. So anyways, we'd always chill in like the work pantry and like talk trash about people and things like that and tell our weekend stories and then we were so into it and I was like listen we should start a podcast literally doing whatever we were doing right now and she was like 
we do and we should do it. And we literally just whipped out our phones and started recording in the some weird maternity slash janitor room that we had in our office. It was a janitor's closet. It was so stinky. It was so we had people opening up the door on us and like just shushing and like it was so like messed up. But you know, we just whipped up this episode and it was such a mess. And then we just uploaded it. And then by the third episode, I think, um, we get an email from Apple and they're like, hey, we just want to meet up with you guys. Like they're, they meet up with a lot of the um, Arab content creators and the podcasters. And then we were sitting there just casually talking about the ex-babies. And then you go like, you guys know why you're here, right? We're like, no, honestly. They're like, uh, you guys- <laughs> they're like, you guys were number one in the UAE. We were like, what? And we started jumping on, like, we were sitting on the sofa and we just started jumping on it. We were, like, hyperventilating. We were like, what do you mean we were number one? Like, we were just talking about, like, texting, like, don't text your ex-boyfriend. But if you do, this is what you should do. Like, who's listening to us? And, yeah, I mean, Madame, I think, summed it up well. And then I think that was just the drive and the motivation. Like, started getting a lot of listens, people reaching out to us. And that was just, like, the motivation just to keep going and like Madam and I literally taught ourselves how to edit, how to do an outline, how to produce them, where to upload them, the technical aspect of it. So we really just like, we were like, let's just, we're doing this on a weekly basis. And um, at that time, Madam and I were still working at the same agency. Now we work at different agencies, but it's just been this like journey of every week, we both have different stories to say. So we're just like, let's record it. <laughs> I guess you, I mean, I guess you're fans of this idea because if you had waited to do it perfectly, you might never have still done it, right? Like, how do you feel about that part? You know, I feel like, I don't know if you've seen Gary V. He does a lot of um, posts about this and he keeps saying that, you know, you don't need the perfect name for an organization or a company or an idea or the perfect concept to start because someone else is going to come and do it probably the same way that you could and maybe at a lesser quality or just not the same energy mm-hmm. so my advice would be if you have a concept even if you don't have the perfect name or the perfect method of doing it just do it you know put it out there put that energy out there and then better it you know we if you listen to our first episode we can't guarantee that you're not gonna go deaf but <laughs> <laughs> you know listening in Disaster. like 29 29- we went from topic to topic to topic to topic like we didn't have one train of thought we were going like three million hours like we just we were just like rambling and but that's how you learn that's how you grow as a business that's how you grow as a brand we didn't have that disaster episode that's still off on every platform we would not be where we are today 100 percent. that is from the bottom now we're here (laughs) (laughs) what have you learned about about the format and about interacting with people since you started what would you say um if you have a guest you should really know your guests and know what they can offer for the episode and always have an outline even if you don't it's not a script but more of an outline just topics that you're gonna go through to help uh, both of you get out yeah yeah, get out the ideas the nice stuff that you want to say and then it helps us allow each other to speak because we're both very talkative and we tend to speak over each other, you know, because we're just so excited, you know, like you just want to say everything you want to say, but then it helps to say, okay, Lana, you focus on this. Maram, 
you focus on that, it's just, it allows that equal energy and that makes the episode sound much more professional. It's still that energy. I mean, we're not sticking to yeah. a full script and we're like, hi, my name, like, you know what I mean? But it's just- It's more just topics to arrange our thoughts, more just, because we, we have a lot to say. So we like want to make sure we're nailing down the points. But I would also add, Madame, and I think you would agree with this. I think the way we speak to people even like in real life and not recording is different because I find myself asking people I've just met different types of questions that I would if like, just like generally, like if I just meet a person, I don't know, I'm like, yeah, like, what do you do for a living? Blah, 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 blah. But now I'm like, so what's your passion in life? Whoa, like, I've never been asked that question before. I think, Mano, if you could agree with that, like, we, because yeah. now, like, we've learned to, like, what um, questions will, like, spark conversations, spark discussions about all these taboo topics, even if it's just something like, what's your passion in life? I think it's, like, taught me how to kind of ask people and get to know people on a different level. And it's very much an improv kind of attitude. Yeah. You know, it's always a yes and. It's always, like, you bounce off of, a topic that leads into an and you know Definitely. just let your go, uh, guests speak as much as they can and then edit it out like help them get that you yeah. know conclusion out of the way because they said like scientifically when you ask someone a question they will answer it twice the first time is just them rambling and then they will re reiterate it in a much more concise way so make sure they get yeah. that concise answer out so that's going to help you like keep your episode structured I like what you said, Lena, about how you, like you're having actually better conversations in your personal lives because of your, yeah. like, can you just go about, like, because I often find that regular conversations are so shallow, right? Like, you know, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? And people don't really ask questions. And I do the same thing because I've been a journalist for so long. I'll leave a party with a boyfriend and I'll tell him something about a coworker and he'll be like, how do, how do you know that? Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know that no 100% I actually I know we were going to discuss this like just to kind of go off of that and with coronavirus like coming up and stuff and um I think just like to segue into this I think we started having to communicate over over like whatsapp more and zoom calls more instead of in person and I think something I found was that having like getting to like I already had these communication skills because me and madam have this podcast but I think asking those those types of questions, like even over text, like you're drawing a different type of conversation. It's not surface level, superficial. Because I, I think people, especially our age, madame, and you probably would agree with this, we're scared to be like vulnerable and social settings. We're scared of it. It's just, it's like a fear factor of rejection. It's a fear factor of all this crap I could go on about. But I think the vulnerability aspect is then like, it kind of is, is like you're more comfortable with the idea over text because Maybe you're not face-to-face with someone. So I think I personally was more vulnerable with people over messaging during the coronavirus period with people. Like I was on like online dating and stuff. And maybe I was asking questions that like I wouldn't normally ask in person, but I definitely think the podcast sparks that within me. And I just started doing it naturally. And then now even more than ever with coronavirus, I'm like, we have to get to know people on like a deeper level because what if technology is going to be like, like take it, like this is going to be taken for us. So face-to-face interaction or be all on WhatsApp again. So I think like making sure you're having those conversations and, but um, don't you agree? I think we've talked about this before, like the vulnerability aspect of our age group. There's such a fear factor of it. Rejection. Not just men. I think even females are getting more 
scared of putting it out there. Like, forget social media. People are, people always advocate for that on social media. But in, in reality and like in real settings, how often do you see your friends really be vulnerable and talk about what they feel and like not being scared about what they want to say? So I really think just because we're two girls who love to talk about our feelings a lot and like we're very overexpressive about what we feel and when we feel it, it encourages us to, you know, make people have the same energy and, you know, let them speak about what they're feeling. And it's it's just interesting. Like we love to see how human beings uh, interact. I think also it was, it, it was as a guide for others, like, Lem and I are always like, we want to hear people's advice. We want our experiences to be a reflection of like what you guys like should maybe do. So I think like always on our episodes where we're just the one we just released, Love Language, we were like, like instead of asking like, yeah, I I, I did this, this is where I grew up, da-da-da. What's childhood experience that shaped your your um, growing up pains? Like something like that, I think would be more, that we're kind of, we're trying to start this, spark this conversation with people that, Especially with women, I think female, I men too, but I think females more, especially because of this age of social media, we are so fearful of that rejection. And so I feel like if women start to ask these types of questions to friends, partners, coworkers, whatever it might be, just to like build some a connection, I think like we're more inclined to have that rejection level like taper down. So the fear of rejection is like, can you just explain to me how, where that lies in life? Like, it's not just in dating, it's in friendships. It's in like, just let me, fill me in a little bit. Um, I personally think that we are not trained to accept rejection as human beings. We're always taught to strive for the best, be the best. Uh, I personally admit this, like I'm someone who won't partake in something if I can't assure that I'm going to be in a good position. If I feel like, I would be rejected at some point. I just wouldn't partake in that. And this fear is usually what um, uh, I feel like parents instill this in their children unconsciously, thinking that they're um, pushing their kids towards, you know, uh, winning and achieving. And but they end up forcing them to be reserved and scared from taking that risk of failure and getting rejected. You know, and I feel like. Females are more afraid of rejection than males because males are so competitive. You know, they're always, they fail at a lot of things. And you can see it even from the way that they approach women. They're so okay with approaching women and getting rejected that they just don't care. He gets over it. Like he, it takes him two seconds and he's over it and he's on to the next one. Like, why can't we females? get rejected and just move on, you know, like, it's so, so true. That, yeah. Like, females, why are we, especially, yeah. Why are we so hung up? You know, like, I feel like because guys are so competitive and they're always taught to be so competitive that they lose, they get rejected and they don't care and they move on. And this risk taking mentality is what pushes them to, you know, get things that they want. Not because women are incapable. It's just because women are scared sometimes, you know? It's just, I even saw it like in statistics, like said, they said males tend to get more raises because they're not afraid to ask for them, even if they reject it. Whereas women get less raises because they just don't ask for them as much as men do, I mean. I think I'll even bring this into like dating because Madame knows this, like I like, 
went through a lot of rocky relationships in my life, like toxic ex-boyfriends, you know, the whole 20 years, whatever. Okay. So this year, because I got on these dating apps, I was dating, I think, three guys at once. And my mom was like, just pick. And I was like, but if I pick and like, it doesn't work out, like, no, like, I don't want to get rejected. And she's like, you can't keep living a life that's like fearful just because, you know, because earlier this year, like this guy ended it with me after like three dates and it was three dates. I know. But it felt it was rejection, right? Like it feels still feels like rejection. So I was like, no, this time around, I'm getting three guys at once. I'm taking control. Da, da, da. And Madame would be like, but that's not you're not being authentic to yourself because you're you're doing something that's like like go for it, get to know these guys. I'm not saying don't, but at the same time, like you need to, like that rejection is all up here. Like you have to go with, and then I ended up settling like, settling on one. But <laughs> I'm very happy with this decision I made. Yeah, I, I do. I really like him. But I think like we have this thing as women in our brain that's like, like we can't be rejected. We can't be rejected. Like rejection equals failure. Rejection equals insecurity. Rejection equals confidence, to, like destroying your confidence. And I think we, we're, me and Madam are trying to do with the podcast is kind of change this narrative of what rejection means to, to us. Men included in this, by the way, but just because Madam and I are women, we're, we're more, we can relate to that more. How about the asking for Jesus thing? I'm just curious since you brought it up. I know that I, I think in my life, I think I've asked for one raise when I was offered a promotion and I just said, oh, do you think it has a little bit more money? And they were like, no, we don't really have money right now. You know, it's the hardest thing for women to ask. And when someone says we don't really have money, you're just kind of like, oh, I get it. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Where are you guys at with that? I think it's because women are so hard on themselves that they think they're not at the level that they actually are and they said like i've read this article i think on forbes was it like why we have so many incompetent male ceos or something just because they think of themselves much higher than they are and if only women had like have that confidence they would go and ask for those raises you know like why do we have so many incompetent men in leadership positions it's because they're not afraid to ask things and thinking that they're the best thing ever whereas of course that doesn't apply to all men like i'm not yeah we don't generalize we're not generalizing yeah yeah i don't i also think that it goes back to the conversation of like women supporting women because Mm -hmm. i feel like in a male dominated world which we do live in especially in the corporate world men are always supporting each other for women we feel this competitive aspect and this competitiveness with each other, maybe because for men, it's more normalized at a younger age. For women, it's not. We're, we're kind of like competing to either steal the attention of someone to either get to the position that we want to. But I feel like for men, it's not the case as much. So maybe as women, why we're scared to ask for those raises is because as women, we're not supporting each other just generally. I think it's also about the males. I wouldn't just put it on the woman. I think it's just Sometimes you're going to shock people when you ask for things. They're going to be like, oh, so you think you can do it? Like, so just, I think it's about trying it out. You know, you don't have anything to lose if you ask for a raise. If you get it, great. If you don't, oh, well, know why you didn't get it and just work towards that. You know, it's happened to me. Uh, One cycle, I would get a raise. The other, I don't. It's okay. It happens. Yeah. And just always prove that you're just as capable as your male colleagues. Do you find that there's still with, because female supporting females, women supporting women, we hear and see so much about this. And even if someone's doing what you're doing, 
if you promote them, it just adds, there's enough for everyone. But I, do you find with women, cause I always found that saying I deserve a raise, I'm doing a really good job, something like that. It's sort of not that acceptable to say as women to just lay it out there like that, how you feel like you're doing a good job. Or if, if a certain guy likes you, yeah, of course he likes me. Like I'm smart and funny. Like that is not, do you find that it's hard for women to sort of own their excellence still? I 100% agree. I feel like they always, they don't see themselves as good as they are. Really. They always underplay it. They always undermine their skills. And it's just like, Sometimes I look at my male colleagues who are like around the same age group and I'm like, listen, like I can do so much more than he does. But yet he's the person who is like, for example, getting promoted or whatever. It's just like, but then when I started changing my attitude and I was like, you know what? Just take it as a stronger point and just lay out all the facts. People have to accept it. It might be hard the first time they hear you trying to ask for what you want. And also sometimes it's a matter of environment, you know, like at a previous agency, I was doing so much and I was not appreciated. And I was, we knew for a fact that the males were getting paid more than the females there just for the sake of being males. I was like, you know what? Screw this. I don't want to be part of this organization anymore. I went to an organization that is more fair, that is not sexist, at least they try not to be sexist. I mean, there are things that just slip through the cracks and they respect me for the diversity that I bring in. And I've proven myself because I, I didn't get the job through anyone. I didn't get it through a wasta or whatever. I got it through my skills. And now when you get it like that, you just, you're like, I have all that it takes to be a successful person and, you know, move on to the next stage. So why should I be afraid of asking mm-hmm. for a raise, you know? I think also, though, women have this idea, social media has, as someone who works in digital, I can tell you that social media has this definitely big influence on this perfection that we feel women have to live up to. Perfect career, bodies, health, friend group, family, boy, like we have all these lists of things that we have to maintain or live up to. So maybe because we feel like we have to be perfect, it creates so much pressure that we're not confident enough to say, hell yeah, I deserve that raise. Or yes, I deserve that promotion because we have like this perfection of an ideal image. And I definitely think social media has a big influence and has taken a big influence and impact on that idea that we all, that women generally have about themselves. That just makes me think of the whole body acceptance movement. And there's, you know, people putting their bodies out there. And I'm, I have a friend, Denise Mercer, she writes for Live Healthy and she's, she's got an amazing body, but she's always showing it like how it's actually is that seeping down to you guys? Are you feeling any of that? Is that alleviating any of the pressure on you to be perfect? <laughs> to be honest, um, no. For me, for no. Me, like for me, yes. But yeah. not the but not body wise, uh, hair wise. Because ever since I was a kid, I used to always relax my hair. Being North African, I have a uh, half North African. I have much curlier hair than usual people, and even my siblings have straight hair. So. I was always the odd one out and considered, you know, like this is not the ideal beauty standard having this very curly, frizzy hair. And I was always relaxing it. 
ever since I was 11. And two years ago, I completely stopped relaxing my hair because of social media, because of finding resources on how to take care of your curly hair and how to understand like curly girl method, all of that. And and the dangers of like relaxing your hair. And this was something that I solely believed in because of social media. And just seeing this support and this community of curly haired girls, it's almost like a cult. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should stop relaxing my hair and stop putting those harmful chemicals on my body. Just, it's literally only for uh, society. Like me straightening, I, I feel it, people, treat me differently when I have my hair straight they treat me more professionally and it's, it's actually so true it's so, even when I'm I just like my hair people are like you look more sophisticated I'm like okay I'm, I'm so like, crazy so but like sure <laughs> you know we should I want to normalize curly hair as a professional hairstyle I want to normalize curly hair as you know it exists it's there we should not change it move on you know it's yeah. not just like salon curls you know like real authentic curly hair you know what's uh, but, but definitely why I said no and raise I I love the body positive movement I love it I think it's incredible to put on social media but there's not enough of it to have made that I'm talking body image I'm not talking about hair or beauty but there's not enough of it I feel like yet to make that positive change I especially here the U.S. and Europe, I think they're definitely on the way with, I mean, I was in D.C., living in D.C. when Trump was elected. I went to the first Women's March in Mar- Women's March um, that had occurred, and it was like the most empowering movement, empowering protest I've ever been to in my life, and empowering day, just having all these women around me. But then when it comes to the Middle East, I think it's that body image is still, we still haven't like created that movement or created enough momentum. We're heading in that direction, but I don't think a lot of momentum has because you still go on Instagram and you're seeing all these girls lips done, hair done, eyebrows. I don't even know what. So I think like it's it's there's still so much of it flooded on everyone's feeds. So I personally, I just think that like, yes, we're getting there, but I don't feel like the movement has really made that much of an impact on me. personally. Okay. In terms of body image. Okay. Now. I'll talk to you about coronavirus because life has been, uh, for your age group, really tough. Like everyone talks about how under pressure you are um, with your careers and moving on. So just tell me what it's been like specifically. Um, I personally felt so insecure about keeping my job, even though I was perfectly doing fine. My, my boss literally sat me down and he was like, listen, I don't want you to cave in into this area of uncertainty and being scared you're keeping your job we're not gonna fire you so you're in a good position full stop but still the demons inside it's just like they started playing with my head and I'm like this person is losing their job this person is losing their job this person is doing this and then it's like different stages of fear the the fear of being sick fear of losing your job fear of it's just like you not being able to see your friends and going out and just being enclosed into this space. And especially like the first three months were so hard for us. I feel like it really got to me and I had to like find ways to cope with that and like to speak to someone about it just to like alleviate that stress and, you know, that level of anxiety. It's just, it was not normal for me. So, but I'm, uh, thank God, like I'm in, 
a very, very good place right now. I'm like accepting the reality. I think we went through the stages of grief and we're just accepting it. I think if you're graduating, if you graduated from college in May, if you wanted to switch careers, I was supposed to move to London in March um, with my job. And I've been working London hours in Dubai for the last six months. I've never met these people in my life. It has been a challenge as an understatement. It has, I'm working different days, different hours, different. It's It's been quite, um, I think we were all, I mean, of course, like, alhamdulillah, like we have our health or thank God we have our health and we have our families and whatever. And of course, like, but I, I think it's okay to say like, yeah, like, no, I'm not good. Or yeah, like I'm not mentally okay. Because I feel like we're like, but you don't have a worse, but you don't have it this bad, but you don't have it this bad. Of course, count your blessings and be grateful and express gratitude. But of course, it's okay to have a day where you're like, I am so sick of sitting at my laptop with not having met the people I've been working with for the last six months and not knowing who the heck they are. So saying it's like, it's okay to not be okay has become a bit more normalized during this period. But I definitely felt at the beginning, like it was like, you could not, like you, there was almost shame in the fact of saying that like, you're not mentally okay. Because there was just like, yeah, we went through, we went through loss. We, we, we went through loss in the sense of like, we lost, I don't want to say time because everyone always beats me up for that. Cause I know we, we gained, I mean, people learned new things in their quarantine time, but yeah, you can't help but think like all these plans that everyone had in 2020 weddings and I don't know, engagements and moving to a new country and starting a new life. We're just all put on hold. Yeah. It's like loss. Like we lost something. We're in a process of grief. And I feel like we were so stubborn to accept that. And like when I'm saying like the fact that she had these demons in her head saying like, am I going to lose my job? I'm and like, it's okay to feel that way because that is what the narrative of everything that was happening around us, especially like at that time, but I'm going to, I know exactly when you were speaking about, I think we, we all went through some sort of grief during this period. Now you ladies have talked a lot about mental health. You're really open about it. Like, where do you think, I mean, you can't speak for all everyone your age, but for you two to be so open about it and to have your backgrounds, where is where are you at in that? Is it strange for you to be speaking out about it or is it ex- accepted or? Um, obviously there's still a stigma. My parents still say like, oh, why are you speaking to someone? You're not sick. Like, I'm like, mom, like you need to maintain your body. You do a body checkup. You need to do a mental checkup. It's the same. You know, it's like, I tell them like crying is the physical, uh, like, it illustrates the physical feelings. It's literally, you see your feelings, which is intangible. It makes your feelings tangible. Like tears are literally your feelings. And, uh, you know, so I feel like now that I'm older, I feel like I can explain to them when like the struggles that they've went through mentally, like I can have a candid conversation with my dad and I'll be like, that must have put some a lot of pressure on you mentally. And he's like, you know what? It did. Like this did back in 20 years, like 20 years ago, this did actually put a stress on me. And they're trying, they can finally see that some people, we are understanding their emotions and we understand where the negativity comes from. And they appreciate it a bit more, you know, even though they're still scared and they're not fully, at least from my end, they're like, okay, as long as we know you're not crazy, you know, (laughs) that that's good. Like, but I'm like, it's just like maintaining your physical life. And I always tell them, mom, like the most successful people speak to 
psychiatrist. And it's just about organizing the mess inside your head and it's helping you get through it. And it's just like not something that people should be scared of. I think even like my dad, yeah, even my dad, I'll be like, Baba, like I went to therapy. He'd be like, why do you need therapy? You have a family, you have all this stuff. Why do you need therapy? Like, what's wrong? And I'm like, like, no, it's not just like as simple as like, I fell, my leg hurts. Like, no, it's not like what's wrong. It's like, what's up here? Like there's so much. So my cousins were in Lebanon during the devastating explosion that just happened. And they're 12, 13, 14 or 18. Um, and like they were telling me about the trauma that they went through and everything and I was just thinking to myself I'm like 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 I need it to like be nor- so I was telling them about my therapy experience like kind of hoping that it would inspire and motivate them that it's okay like you've been through trauma like going to therapy is normal so I just feel like in our side of the world it's just not normalized and that's why Madame and I are so open about speaking about go to see go to a therapist like if you need someone to talk to, go to a life coach or whatever that might be, or might look for you because it, it is very normal. If anything, I sometimes think your mental health is even more important than your physical health because your mental health is the thoughts that are kind of contributing to physically how you look. If you're thinking, I love myself, I can't wait to go to the gym, I'm gonna go for a quick run, split all my toxins out. And then like, that's already, you're already speaking to yourself so positively that your physical is gonna reflect that. And honestly, I'm done with seeing like toxic parents raise kids. Like either don't bring in any That's more so kids 2019. <laughs> and or fix your problems first. Absolutely. Okay, so dating. You've talked a lot about dating on the podcast, and there's dating and then there's dating during COVID. So Lana, can you just tell me a little bit about that? There was a big bump in traffic, I understand, on the app. Yes. Yes. Um, so we did an entire episode on dating in quarantine um, via me being the little guinea pig who was so selflessly went on these dating apps <laughs> for our listeners. Um, um, and I was doing research, I mean, before I even went on, and there was a 56% jump in new um, users in the month of March and April. Um, and that was due to COVID being most of the world being under quarantine or under lockdown. So I was like, you know what, screw it. Let's do it. Let's get on these dating apps. So I went on a few and the quality of people has definitely risen because if you think about it, I think a lot of people say like, okay, well, like, we'll just go out and meet people when we're out. But then those people who have a nine to five job are like just sitting at home working and then going to their phone or Netflix. So I think the rise makes sense and why there was such a jump and spike in new users. And I think just people are more open to starting conversations and to getting, I had, I think like six Zoom first dates um, in the first couple of months. And then those Zoom dates when we were like, could go out for an hour for a walk, turned into like a walk in the park. And then that turned into like a second walk in the park in it. And I just, I think I was able to, and especially all, I mean, these people, some of them like obviously didn't work out with most, but I think even putting myself out there and it like changed the entire dating game for me. I was like, girls, like women and men go on these dating apps. You start making these connections. We're not able to make connections and kind of stimulate that side of our brain to kind of like get that part of our brain going. Like, just start talking to people. And I think I told them that it was a very pleasant experience. Met a lot of weirdos, but I also met a lot of, <laughs> but I also met a lot of cool people. And I think 
I, I, it was like definitely an experience. I mean, now, like, I think if we would go back to numbers, maybe there's a decrease in mm-hmm. dating app things are not open, which it would be interesting to actually see the numbers. But I think especially with our generation, it, it, it was cool to see that a lot of the people our age were like on those dating apps doing the exact same thing I was, wanting to just meet new people. I feel like also the commitment of not having to see them face-to-face immediately, mm-hmm. it lowers the stress because like, you know, I feel like if you meet someone on a dating app, at a previous time it's just like it's always going to be okay when are we seeing each other True. So like let's get done with this chit chat but then when you're like no we're literally here for this it just takes it down a notch you know and it calms things down and it alleviates the pressure yeah it forces people to actually listen to what this person has to say and you know make meaningful connections just like that netflix show um what was it called Love is Love blind. Is blind. Love is yeah. blind. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica's 34 and Mark is 24. Jessica. That was Nobody likes Jessica. <laughs> Poor Jessica. Um, Poor Jessica. <laughs> he was not now. There was something up with him, I think. Yeah, um, he was a weirdo. Not a cool yeah. Um, Do you think it's COVID has shot, has changed people a little bit in this sort of culture of like there's always gonna be another person around the corner there's always dating online dating, app dating is so hard because because of that because of the dispensability you feel when you're on there do you think that shocked anyone or changed I feel like so it's just like when you're in COVID you know like everyone's going through the same situation everyone having some sort of problem and I felt like it opened up the, a bit of vulnerability. And I don't think once you're vulnerable with like a person or two, I don't think you can be this vulnerable with every single person. It's just like, so I think like the first few matches are the ones that are most meaningful because like those are the people you trusted. But then afterwards, I think it's going to be more like chilled and go back to the same way that it was before. But I think it's more of a matter like of connection rather than just like, okay, this is a sea of fish and what fish do I end up with you know what I mean it's, I, don't, I think I it changed the dating now. game I think it changed the dating realm um a lot actually because even now when like I have friends that are still on the dating apps I have friends who are still out there they're saying like you still feel like people are so more open to being vulnerable than they were a year ago and maybe it's because everything really hasn't opened that I mean we are open to go to restaurants and stuff but it's not the same. We're not going to clubs and bars and standing at the bar and talking to someone new. It's, that's still not available. So I think there's still an aspect of making those connections online. And yes, now, I guess like Madame, what you were saying actually made a lot of sense to me that like you have to talk to the person because it's not like we have a goal of meeting each other because that wasn't even an option. Now that is an option, but it's not even, I think, taken immediately like it was. I think people are actually taking the time to get to know someone via texting via whatever before actually taking this to go out and like meet with you have to you have to worry if this person has covid or not you know (laughs) no seriously no seriously that maybe a zoom call might be better your first day or a walk in the park six feet apart yeah keep that walk in the park you know you don't know what they're as always yeah i (laughs) ask you again about vulnerability because I think you guys are so good at it and so many people are so scared of it. You know, you can just hear it and people just don't ever want to admit that anything was less than perfect. 
what would you what what advice could you give people about being vulnerable about about it how how does it get easier how can you do it i think self-awareness really we're very self-aware because we are very self-aware <laughs> i think <laughs> like <laughs> us as individ as individuals like i think every one of us can write like a 2000 word essay on our emotions and the way we function on a spiritual like just mind level whereas other people maybe are too scared to even go in there mm. like understand like for example i personally i'm very aware that i am resistant to feedback but understand where that stems from so that you can work on it and i feel like me being able to understand that i have flaws and you know work on them it unlocks this potential of me like not feeling shame or being scared of things that are very normal because trust me people have it much worse out there if you think like you are crazy or you're you know you should be embarrassed of yourself there are people with like you know really weird things going on in their brains so no matter how weird you think you are humans are very weird you know we all like different weird things and we think that there's a normal standard that we should follow where in reality there isn't really everyone has their unique like mindset and it's just like be self-aware realize like that you're not a bad person you're not weird and just work on the things that you don't like and otherwise just accept like what you can't change just accept it you know I think building on that vulnerability is the most beautiful gift you can give yourself and others and I truly believe it the reason why people aren't more vulnerable is because they're scared of being rejected by society and other people. As soon as they kind of decrease that insecurity within them of being rejected, the more they're able to be vulnerable with themselves and others. And that doesn't mean saying like, the girl that you're in love with, you should tell you she, that you love her like second data, no. But being honest with who you are to yourself and others and showing that even if you do get rejected, that builds your character and strength and growth and only can contribute to you. I think that comes also with comfort zone. The podcast has been not a comfort zone for Madam or I when we started it. It was the opposite of a comfort zone. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. But I think we were vulnerable. We were out of our comfort zone. And I mean, thank God, just like, look how successful we've become. So I think knowing that vulnerability comes with discomfort and that equals growth. And people like it. Like, don't you think part yeah. of why you're so successful is that people think, God, they're just able to say the things that are in the back of my head that I can't admit or, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, so where, where do you want to take the podcast? Like, what, what, are your, what are your dreams for DX Babies? Merchandise. <laughs> really? I want a t-shirt. It says DX Baby. <laughs> no, we want to be like, we just want to normalize the conversations that we're having because a lot of girls are having them in private. We want to normalize those conversations out there and encourage people to talk. Just not feel like this is a taboo. And just when we feel like those conversations are being had and girls are more open about what they want and men are vulnerable and not being scared into conforming into this manly uh, image once we so we see the, those things in our culture and we see more people doing that we'll feel like you know we've done it like we've achieved like our goal and success you know, and make every single 
person in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s listen to us, you know? Yeah, really? Anyone who can, anyone who can relate to us. Yeah. We want know? to normalize these topics in our culture and in the Middle East. And I think just growing our audience and now we've like developed sponsorships. So kind of growing that and growing our audience and growing the awareness of Dick Babies. And I mean, eventually I think Madam and I should do a live show mm. post-COVID. That'd be yeah. so yeah. fun. Like, so like a that. live episode that would be like that's like a goal for us for that I have for us is to do like a live show in like an arena or something and like do a live podcasting I think listening to like especially like when mom and I like of course all our friends listen to it but when we have like randoms like dm us remember that guy madam that like was like like you guys are so cool like I didn't know I, I just found you guys on Instagram I have to say like I love what you're doing and that just like means the world to us. That means like the absolute world, the strangers sitting in wherever is listening to us and talking and, and like laughing with us and going through the growing pains with us. I think that's just the most rewarding thing. No, I've, uh, so my sister lives in London oh, and yeah, she just random, randomly met this guy and who was like, you know, I was born and raised in Abu Dhabi just like you. I was a Shwe Fati, like, I miss this life and I miss the Dubai life. And then she, so she told him, yeah, my sister is still in Dubai. He's like, oh, what's your sister's name? Because I know someone who is like the same background as you are. And she tells him like her name is Maram. And he's like, shut up. She's not the host of the ex-babies. She's like, yes, she is. He's like, oh my God. He's like, you don't understand like what this podcast means to me. She's like, what? He's like, I feel like I'm reliving like my Dubai life through those girls. Like I am a DX baby. I am literally that person. And she was like, shut up. Like, you're not serious. He's like, no, I'm freaking serious. And then she takes a video of him. She's like, Madam, I saw a fan of yours. I'm like, what? A fan. Have you had anyone look <laughs> you or recognize you or anything like that? Are you having like... Someone on Instagram messaged me saying, like, I saw you in the mall. Like, I didn't want to interrupt you. I'm like, girl, like, I'm not Lindsay Lohan. Like, please come up to me. <laughs> like, I'm no one famous. Please come up to me. I would love to say hi to you. Like, oh, that's cute. So, like, randomly, they're like, I listen to DX Babies. And I'm like, I love that. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, people message us uh, on Instagram a lot about the episodes. and Yeah. Talking about how they like some episodes, how... Sometimes guys message us pissed off thinking that like, their point of view is not, really, not coming across correctly. You know, it's, we love the conversation, you know, keep them coming. Positive, negative, as long as you're talking, that's what we want. Yeah. Okay, ladies, well, keep it going. I love you. I love listening to you. And I think you're thank just- Thank you. Thank you so much for talking about everything, vulnerability and dating and all of it. I love Thank it. you for having us on. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the livehealthy.ae podcast.